Welcome to this episode of the Innovative Leader Podcast. Christy Geiger, leadership coach, and me, David Phillips, uh, leadership consultant, hope that we can inspire you today. We can provide you some tools, some resources, some thoughts to help inform and transform your leadership mindset. Thanks for joining us, and we hope you enjoy today's episode. Hey, folks, it is uh, the, the Friday before Christmas. God, we are at the end of 2020, and um, 2021 is two weeks away. And uh, so today on The Innovative Leader, Christy and I are just going to kind of talk about the possibilities of kind of what we see um, that could happen, uh, could be possibilities for things to do, things that are going to happen in 2021. We're, we're bringing out our crystal ball. It is quite uh, clouded uh, at this moment and uh, not really. We're just, we're just going to talk about some of the things that we think might happen, uh, the way things might look. Um, I kind of have one. No, you, she does. She does have one. I love it. And it's not cloudy at all. In fact, there's Christmas stuff. In it. If you shake it up, does it, does it have the snow and everything? Oh yeah. It's super cool. It's like the cute little, see. Oh yeah. I love it. It's very cheery. It is. It is cheery. And we need that. Um, uh, you know, uh, you know, the Northeast uh, yesterday got about, you know, 10 feet of snow. I don't know if yeah, you saw that. Crazy. Uh, just <laughs> kind of crazy. And um, here in Metro Atlanta, they're talking about um, 40% chance of uh, Christmas Eve snow. Really? Uh, or snow after the day or two after Christmas Eve, one of the two, or Christmas Day, one of the two. So uh, even, even Chile in as far south as Florida. Uh, right. at Christmas. So, um, you know, that's, it's, it's very 2020, right? I think that's going to be like the phrase for like the next five years. Oh, this is so 2020. Right. Um, <laughs> right. 2020, everybody will remember that. Oh, that's just 2020. Um, anyway, uh, so we're just going to kind of talk about in, in, we really haven't planned much, uh, out, uh, talked about this very much. We usually we do some, some, some communication during the day and talk about things. We really haven't done a lot of that um, today, uh, but we, uh, we're just gonna kind of talk about what we see, uh, that what could be possibilities in 2020, uh, 2021, uh, based on um, kind of what's going on now, what's, what's going to be happening in the first part of the year potentially and, and all those kinds of things. So. Uh, Christy, why don't you just kind of start us off? Tell us what tell us what you think uh, could happen in as as we hit twenty twenty one. What possibilities are there? Well, I think you know, like you're like we were joking about the crystal ball. That it's not it, it does feel like that when we talk about right now. I do think there's a there's more articles and podcasts and conversations about twenty one predictions and what is going to happen. And the reason why, to me, I believe that's happening is because there's still so much that is really unknown. And um, our brains, our minds, really crave 
what is known. We've talked about that before in past podcasts about scarf and certainty. And when we have certainty, we feel more confident to do our planning and our goal setting and, and be in that frontal low big picture. And when we have uncertainty, we tend to be more in our limbic system. It's a little bit more emotional. People feel more uncertain. They can feel a little bit more anxious or nervous. And so we have this human desire to want to know, to want to have greater certainty. And when we have that sense of uncertainty, we tend to feel a little bit more anxious. I think that's why right here in the United States and other places in the world too, with the US, I think a lot of people are very encouraged by the vaccine coming out and feeling like that's providing a little bit more certainty for them, which then begins to inform or change some behaviors or some decisions. And so I think really there's this quest for certainty when really there's still lots of uncertainty. And to me, I think really when we're looking at our 2021 possibilities, we're looking at our trends. Uh, We believe, I believe that we are in this changing era. And that as we talk about our 2.0 and 4.0 leadership, we are tipping into the 4.0 era. I believe that 2020 and COVID has really massively accelerated the change into this era that we hit anyway. When we talked last year at the end of 2020, we were talking about this, these leadership shifts, these business shifts that were happening, but Um, with the shifts that were happening, it kind of seemed like it was going to take a while, that people were still resistant. It was a lot of early thought and we were still kind of tied to the way we do things. And what COVID did was really, it was this massive accelerator into the way we work, the way we think, the way that we operate. And largely, I still believe that people uh, in general see that as a blip on the radar. 2020 was this anomaly year that, wow, COVID made us have to do things really differently and good riddance, we are just waiting for 2021 to get back to normal. That I believe is a mistake and a setup for disappointment. Um, A couple of things, number one, I believe the cheese has moved. So we've moved more into this next era, like it or not. Uh, COVID and 2021 have accelerated some of the transitions that were coming anyway. And so people have gotten used to more shopping online. They've gotten used to working at home. They've gotten used to some of these more dynamic nature of things. It's changing and shaping economy, business, things like that. So I think one, there's some changes that have happened that we we like our, we like, we're comfortable in our old seats. We're comfortable in our old shoes. And so we're kind of hoping that it's going to go back that way. So what I would say when I think about possibilities is one possibility is what if 2021 is more of 2020? What does that mean? What does that look like? And yeah. not in a way that it's this 2020 of um, the roller coaster of COVID and kind of fear and anxiety and lockdown. But if we look at what are some of the trends that happened in 2020 around virtual nature of things, virtual learning, uh, virtual connection, remote schooling, remote education, remote um, like training and conferences and things like that. How could that continue in 2020? And what does that mean for business? What does that look like? Mm -hmm. So I think one, there's that piece of um, trying instead of waiting for it to go back, what if it keeps moving? And what does that mean for us? What does that look like? 
And then just adjusting kind of those expectations, because if we think that normal is better, we've made progress wrong. And so kind of just adjusting those expectations of my expectation is that we're going back to normal versus what if my expectation and preparation is moving forward into our next evolution? Yeah, I, you know, um, so I'll, uh, I think that, I, I think in a, in a lot of ways you're right. I think, uh, I think companies, uh, I know the company I work for has, um, has essentially said that, that there will be no in-office activity until mid-June. So, I mean, we're, uh, as far as people coming into the office, that's not going to happen until then. Um, and this is a good chance that, that uh, travel restrictions will be there as well. So unless uh, it's a, like a dire emergency, um, we don't get to travel. We don't go see clients, those kinds of things. So everything's going to have, have to happen remote. And I, mm-hmm. I think that what, what companies are going to see out of that is we can reduce costs that way. And, um, and to the point, to even to the point that, that the company I work for uh, is not going to renew the leases uh, on, on office space in Seattle and Boston, maybe mm-hmm. uh, in two locations, simply because they have found the efficient, that, that, that there was no drop off of efficiency or communication um, as a result of everybody working remote. So I think we're going to see in, in a lot of companies when, uh, when remote is uh, a possibility, that's, that's gonna be expanded. So you're gonna see, I think you're gonna see a lot of more at home remote kinds uh, of work. I think you're going to see uh, conferences expand to a lot, of, lot more online uh, things as well. I think education, um, education is gonna be tricky um, because uh, I, I think at, at, at higher ed levels, I think you're going to see uh, more and more virtual. Um, mm-hmm. I think at the elementary level and maybe even the middle school level or the junior high level, I think you're going to see uh, the need for in-person on-campus learning. And, and I say that because um, because one, that's the, that's the industry I work in. And number two, I have a wife who is an elementary school media specialist. And the stress that elementary school teachers have is much different than the stress that middle and high school teachers have. Mm-hmm. And, um, and the importance of learning to read those first three years of education, uh, more hands-on, there's more hands-on things that are needed to uh, in, in those kinds of things, I think, I think you can potentially say that education at the secondary level will will remote will be much uh, a much more a much greater possibility. Um, but I think at the elementary level, they're going to be so far behind that they're going to have to be playing catch up quite a bit. Uh, I know Colorado um, released uh, some stats that said um, I think it was third graders that that typically you know, third graders are, are at one point in their, in their learning. Uh, this year, they're only finding about 10 or 15% of those third graders have, have reached that level. 
uh, that's a dis that's really going to be tough because teachers are going to have to try to catch them up. Education, you know, the standards may have to be adjusted. There's all kinds of things that are going to have to be that will have to happen in education. Um, uh, so, so I, I see that that possibility. I think the virtual aspect is going to be quite interesting. But at the same time, I also think that because people have been cooped up for so long that there's gonna be an explosion of movement. Mm -hmm. I'm guessing April. Um, I'm guessing that by the time the, the, the vaccine hits you and me, which will probably be March, April, something like that, I think you're gonna see people on the move. They're gonna be, I think, I think you're gonna see people uh, traveling a lot more, being with, you may, you, we might actually see the reverse, you know, uh, Robert um, Putman wrote a book in the 60s, the 70s, early 80s called Bowling Alone. Mm -hmm. And the idea of the book was more and more people were bowling, but uh, people were, there were less, there were less and less people in bowling leagues. And the idea was, people have started to bowl more in solitude than being in community. Oh. Uh, and even, uh, I think in his book, uh, he essentially surmised that at that point, people only had maybe 10 good friends that they hung out with um, back in 2007, maybe. I, I kind of uh, did some more research on that and he uh, kind of updated that um, and came to the conclusion that most people had one or two friends that they would confide in, uh, you know, deep kind of personal friendships. Mm -hmm. uh, and so the, the bowling alone concept had grown. I think this may be the, the first year that we may actually reverse that cycle a little bit because people are going to want to be with people. I, I just think we we have been so cooped up, uh, and I and I think especially about the people in the West, California, Washington, Oregon. You know they had the wildfires, so not only did they have COVID, but they had wild. They couldn't go outside, um, and and so I think people are going to be starved for touch and relationship and connection, and I think there's opportunity there. Um, so, I mean, those are, those are some things that, that I, I, I agree with you for, on the virtual piece. I think um, you're gonna see more and more schools, um, higher ed uh, doing much more um, uh, remote uh, virtual learning. Um, and I think businesses are gonna be much more virtual, uh, those kinds of things. But I think the human touch, the human interaction, um, the, the need to be out and, and get away from where they have been for nine months uh, for most people, uh, I think is going to be a huge draw. Mm -hmm. uh, what do you think about that? I mean, you think I'm off base on any of that? No, I'm wondering how, how, do, how does that apply to leaders? So then when leaders are preparing for that, does that mean that what does that look like? If we're selling, should we be in touch with our customers? Like, it feels like something has changed. 
with the way we do community, with the way we do relationships. So on one hand, people are desiring more of that connection. But on the other right. hand, to your point about the bowling, people have actually become more independent um, right. in the way that they're doing things. So how does that evolve or change the way that we do connections or relationships? Because I do think, I think you're right. And I think there's a, a change. So it's almost like this both and. So people are really craving relationships right. and they've gotten used to being more independent. So what does that look like? Does that mean that we're more selective about who we hang out with? Does it mean that we're more, that we, we are doing more virtual business, but we want more human connection personally? Does that mean that we expect more from the workplace and that where we might've been tipped work-life balance, work-life balance, right. we're tipping more work-life balance or no, sorry, <laughs> this work-life balance that we're expecting more, we need more balance on the life side yeah. versus we're coming out of this productivity era where we gave more to work and we expected life to adapt to our work. Because of this, are we, does it change our expectations in the way we see our work where we're like, listen, I've been working hard, but I am starved for my relationships. And so people put life first and expect work to accommodate their life. Is that a change that's happened even with staying at home? So if I'm working at home, but I have to work around my kids, guess what kind of trumped work? And people say, right. hey, okay, we understand. You've got your kids at home, you're schooling. You know, if you have to work at 10 o'clock, you work at 10 o'clock. Well, that, that's fine. That's good. I'm not making it right or wrong. Yeah. I'm just saying it helps to, it contributes to a shifting where life is first, work is second. Uh, maybe a little bit. I don't know if it's fair to say, obviously we're states-based. Right. I see it a little bit more, maybe how they are a little bit more in Europe where the European model tend, it seems like it tends to be more a life work balance versus a work life balance. US tends to be more work first. It seems like Europe can be more life first. Is that shifting for the US? And so as leaders, do we need to be prepared for that in our business and how do we support our team and our employees and what do we expect? I don't know. To me, yeah. there's to wonder about. Yeah, no, I, I actually agree with you in that case. You know, um, uh, when I, several years ago, as 13 years ago, I was in Barcelona, uh, Spain uh, for a week and the, the whole town pretty much, uh, restaurants stayed open, things like that. But so much of, of Barcelona shut down at noon and opened back up at two o'clock. Uh, and they, siestas were very real. Uh, and it was a time to, to go and rest and, and go out and, and spend time with other people and have a hearty lunch and laugh and joke and drink and um, do those things, come back and work for a few more hours. Dinner didn't happen until eight or nine o'clock. Uh, and, and but I think, I, I, think, I think you're right on the, the work-life balance. I think it's, it's not going to be work-life. It's going to be life-work. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, but I think there has been so much, uh, I guess, I guess uh, here's, here's part of what I'm thinking and, and how it might, um, I, I think the remote aspects of things are going to be very real, but 
and, and, and leaders are going to have to adjust to that with their with families and with their employees uh, and, and making room and making time and allowances for uh, essentially, uh, if it's possible, just get your work done. You, you don't, you know, don't have, you don't have to clock in at eight and, and mm -hmm. clock out at five. Just as long as you get your work done, that's all that really matters, right? And it doesn't matter where you get it done, as long as you get it done. And as long as I can reach you if I need you. Um, but, you know, so many, here, here's the thing, there, has been, there have been so many deaths in the U.S. because of COVID. And people can't even get in to see their family as they're dying. And the way that has tugged on the heartstrings of so many in our country, um, and, and you tie that to an election, uh, and I, I just, I can see this, this, um, this mindset in 2021 where people are like, screw work, I'm going to spend time with my family. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's going to be a big deal. Now, you know, you're going to have those cases where, where you've got um, people who are just so financially strapped because of this year. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that's, you know, people are going to have to work and they're going to have to work two jobs and DoorDash and Grubhub and, and you know, deliver pizza delivery and those kinds of things. So I think you're going to see a lot of that. Um, even the, in, the continual increase of those types of positions that are open. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I think, you know, we're going to have, we're going to have 30 and 40 and 50 year olds working during the day and then grabbing extra jobs at night, um, either because they can, they have nothing else to do. Uh, they want to make, you know, save money for a trip or a car or whatever those kinds of things uh, or just simply because they need the income to pay the bills. Um, I also, uh, so I, I see a lot of that, but I, I see life becoming much more uh, valuable and much more important uh, to Americans than, than work. Uh, I think that, I think that adjustment um, is going to be very real in 2021. Mm -hmm. I, I could be completely wrong. We may just go back. Employers may go, forget it. This is what I want. This is the way I want it. And, but, but I don't see that. I, I, think, I think leaders have had to transition and had, have had to adjust uh, so much this year that it's, it's kind of become the new norm. And I know people hate that phrase, but it's, it's, I think that's, it's kind of become that way. Um, that's just my, it's my gut, I guess. Well, and if so. I could say, I just feel that the, we've called it the new norm. Society has called it the new norm. I really would like to suggest it is the evolution of progression and that we think that, oh my gosh, COVID was such a big disruptor. COVID was simply an accelerator of the change that was already happening. So, you know, like if we see COVID as this big enemy that's really messed up our lives, we make COVID this moment in time that's disrupted the norm that we had versus if we can study and look at COVID as simply an accelerator of the change that was already happening, 
we can more easily accept the evolutions, the evolution in virtual work and learning, the evolution in personal relationships and the flip from work to life to life to work mm -hmm. and, and the priority. Your point is really great with, that you were talking about as far as that two hour siesta situation. Um, there is a trend right now also that's happening when we talk about wellness and self-care, yep. which again, ties into a different piece of the web as things accelerate and go faster and faster, our minds exhaust and we wear out. And so we have to, we've talked about this before too, I believe yep. in resilience and wellness and things like that. But if you can just allow me the little example, you know, a hundred years ago, farmers didn't need to go to the gym and there weren't gyms because they naturally had a lot of physical labor in their work. So you didn't need a gym. As we moved into 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000, the increase of desk jobs. And even when we had factory workers yeah. and stuff, there was a lot of labor involved in those right. jobs. But as the rise of the computer industry, the rise of desk jobs, well, what happened in the rise of desk jobs? The rise of obesity and yeah. the lack of fitness because we were sitting all day. And so now what happened? Well, the rise in gyms. And so we needed to literally take time to go work out because it wasn't part of our work. I believe the next phase of that is happening. As things speed and accelerate, the rise of the mental gym of the self-balance, mindfulness, um, our personal resilience, that whole piece, that is going to start to increase because we didn't need to do that. We were able to drive in the car and just chill out. We were able to do certain things and just chill out. Because things now are 24 seven as the virtual stuff, you know, we could have a Zoom meeting at any time. Right. The data is posted at any time. Even at churches, churches is an interesting trend and example. It used to be Sunday morning, Sunday right. was the day of rest. And you went to church on Sunday morning. And that was this designated time for your spiritual connection, right? right. What are they saying in churches? Churches are moving from don't expect people to show up on Sunday morning. Church is moving to 24 seven. Someone right. may be going to church at Monday night at seven o'clock or Tuesday at two o'clock. It's whenever it is good for them. So what does that mean? That's cool in a way, but number one, it makes us have to be more intentional about our mental, emotional, spiritual um, mindfulness practices. Right. And I'm not merging our faith with whatever. I'm just saying our faith and spirituality is part of a mindfulness where you're sitting, you're praying, you're, it, it's all in that genre of that right. type of activity, right? Exactly. So now A, we have to be intentional about when we're doing that. B, it moves to 24 seven. So that's great, but it's also exhausting. So yeah. then there's just this way that it changes the rhythm. So A, you have to create your own rhythms and B, we need downtime because it's not built in anymore. If Sunday morning, you could keep Sunday morning as your daily practice or as your weekly practice in your weekly standard, you can keep some of those rhythms, but the point is the rhythms are changing. Or maybe you had a seven o'clock, um, jazzercise class or you had your seven o'clock yoga class or your seven o'clock workout class 
Well, since gems and that are a little bit variable, there is uh, economists talk about the decrease of gems and the increase of home gems. Exactly. And the increase of things like that. So we have to be more responsible for, uh, sorry, it says my connection's unstable. We have That's to be okay. more responsible for these mindfulness times, which means that work may implement at one o'clock, there are no meetings because we need you to rest and do this self-care mindfulness time. I don't, I think we need to consider it. We need to consider what changes when we go 24 seven, what yeah. changes when people are working at 10 o'clock at night, how do we have to be intentional about taking care of ourselves so that we don't burn out? What are we providing as organizations to help people to do that? Because we know we don't, mindfulness is a very squishy thing, right? right. The, the kumbaya Zen people are doing it. Um, people who are are committed to you know productivity that is difficult for us to slow down but if we don't slow down we burn out so it's an interesting collision of these different things like we need to be 24 7 but now we're going to exhaust so now we need to schedule when we have our mindfulness time because we're 24 7. it's just a matter of reflecting what are the habits and the changes we've experienced in 2020, which again, isn't because of 2020, these are evolutions that were happening anyway, but right. then how do we need to adjust? Yeah, no, exactly. You know, one of the, I, I think I may have mentioned it before, but uh, Chick-fil-A, whose, whose headquarters are here in, uh, in Metro Atlanta, uh, one of the things that they do for their employees is they get an hour to go to the, if they're corporate, they get an hour to go to the gym during the day. Um, and, and it's simply because of some of these, some of these issues that you're, you're bringing up. And that's been there. It, it's, that's not a new thing. It's, it's at least four or five years old um, because they recognize that, um, that, that people need to be up and doing and, and, and the, the stress of sitting all day, hunkered down, looking at stuff and trying to work is just too much. Um, and so I think, I think leaders are going to have to do it. If you own a business, you're going to have to, to be open to scheduling, um, allowing people to schedule 30 minutes a day to go for a walk, uh, an hour to go to the gym, you know, those kinds of things. Uh, and you say, well, they get lunch break. And, and, but some of those lunch breaks are 30 minutes. Some of those lunch breaks are an hour. It's hard to go. You know, I, I guess you could technically go get 30 minutes in at the gym, on the treadmill and then and then turn around and grab something healthy to eat on the way home on the way back to work but you've got to allow for those kinds of things uh and and uh but i do i think i think everything that you just said was 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 right on cue um we're i think it's going to become an even greater on-demand world right. i got an email the other day from uh from apple uh i just um um, my dad has always wanted an, uh, has wanted an Apple Watch, and and uh, our our uh, cell provider um, had a, a deal where you buy one get one free kind of thing, and so he wanted one, so we we bought one, and and I got his I got his the second one, even though I, I had one, I, I got the newer one, and so I got an email the other day. Apple has now opened um, their own fitness in their fitness app. If you have a watch, they they have trainers and exercise routines and all that kind of stuff. It's now uh, you know I got three months free, and then it's nine ninety nine a month after that. 
everything is on demand. Um, you see more and more um, uh, exercise videos, you know, things that you, you, you know, like you were talking about jazzercise and stuff like that. Now it's on demand. There's a, there's a whole channel. There's an app. You just go, you do the workout, those kinds of things. My wife does that now. She used to go to the gym um, for um, a, a routine called Power. And mm -hmm. then she found the app. It's much cheaper. $5 a month is much cheaper than going to the gym. Right. Uh, so I think that you're going to see a lot more on demand. Uh, I think that's going to be huge. Church services obviously um, become on demand. Um, everything there's going to be there's going to be um production quality is going to uh is going to be a a driver i think um you know i hate uh i hate the thought of uh making a church service a show uh but i think production quality will will bring um, repeat visitors, whether it's a church service or something on demand, uh, trainings, uh, those kinds of things. I think, I think you're going to see much more on demand training as opposed to going to a conference. Uh, I think conferences are still going to be there. I think they're going to stream those live. You're going to have two different price points for that potentially. Um, uh, but from a training standpoint, I think you're going to see a lot more on demand training. Um, uh, so I, I, I think those are, are things that as leaders we need to be prepared for uh, from a training standpoint, from an on the, if you're, if you're selling, uh, depending on what you're selling, if it's, if it's on demand available, you might, uh, you might look into to companies who can put apps on Roku uh, or look at, at companies who can do apps on uh, Apple, uh, an Apple um, environment or even the Google environment because you can get in training those kinds of things push it out that way uh so i think apps are going to become much more uh, prevalent um i think you're going to see usage go up um although there is something in the in the that came across my um my radar last week and i, I don't i haven't fleshed it all out yet but um so the federal trade commission is is suing to break up facebook i don't know if you've seen that Mm -hmm. I didn't say that, but I, I know there's a lot of conversation about that. I think it's interesting how there's like this, um, I mean, I agree, I don't really support any monopolies per se, yeah. but it kind of fascinates me how there is this like on Facebook, but there's a lot of Amazon continues to get traction, which I feel like Amazon is interesting because Amazon has really, the reason why they exploded is because how they allowed people to sell online. So they became a vessel for the independence rather than like, oh, everything is Amazon. They're a vessel for the independence, right. which is good. But yet Amazon is really blowing up. Like Amazon Health, Amazon, like where they're reaching into is crazy. So people yeah. aren't really like on Amazon, but yet Amazon is really a little bit they, anytime someone becomes too powerful, you're like, oh, hold on, where's the balance? So to me, people are are targeting Facebook because somehow they're too powerful of an influencer and it's not balanced in the influence, but isn't Amazon kind of in the same bucket? I, I mean, I'm not bashing Amazon. I use both yeah. Facebook and Amazon. I'm just wondering. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, you know, but so Amazon, so the Federal Trade Commission is, is um, trying to break up Facebook and, and they're 
one of the things I think we're going to go go at, or I think has been mentioned, is um, to divest Instagram and then to also divest WhatsApp. Um, I think they're they may actually even go after the the advertising arm. Um, if you've seen the movie or the documentary, The Social Dilemma, mm-hmm. um, the, one of the things that um, that Amazon, not Amazon, that, that all the social media companies are doing in their advertising is they're, they're playing ads specifically and, and, and showing content specifically to keep people on the page or on, on that social media site. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so when they do that, they can sell more ads, they can sell more targeted ads, they make more money, they can sell more information. This person spent 30 seconds looking at this ad um, uh, that was related to this video, you know, uh, and then they can target the information to you. I think that's one of the things that Facebook is it, this frustrating about, or people find frustrating about Facebook is they will continue to show you what you have already spent time um, looking at. So you, there may be, uh, if you're a right-wing kind of person, you may only see right-wing information and you won't see this, the other side. Uh, and so, so they're, they're intentionally doing everything they can to keep you on the site. That's the goal. Um, and so I think you might see that. And if that happens, now, you know, we're two years down the road for any of that to happen because monopoly cases take forever to, to execute. But you can see that you can see this, the, uh, the um, uh, social media beginning to, to dwindle. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I wouldn't be shocked to see that two or three years down the road. Uh, mm-hmm. or just uh, an opportunity for a new competitor or a new way to connect. Exactly. Um, and, and, and millennials and even Gen Z really don't, they don't connect well in person. Um, there's some anxiety there. Um, and so what's going to, I mean, you start to think what's that, how that's going to affect the workforce down the road too. Uh, so I know that's way, that's way past 2021, but that kind of popped into my head because I think you're, you might see some of the, I mean, you're already seeing the, the shift over to, to places like Parler from Facebook uh, and, and mm-hmm. MeChat or being WeChat. I, you know, there's so many that have uh, that people are going to because they think Facebook is such a, a, a bad entity. Um, and so you might begin to see the diversification um, and, and not as much time spent on social media, which affects their revenue, but it also increases. Now we got to figure out what to do with that time. <laughs> so that goes back to the whole social thing again, where now we're going to have to, we're, we're, maybe we become more social, maybe um we don't advertise as much. Uh, it affects how we advertise and to whom we advertise and how we target it, those kinds of things. So I don't know, uh, that just popped in my head. That was a, a rabbit hole and I'm sorry for taking us down that road. So Yeah, no, it's a whole nother, I think it's another, I don't know if it's a possibility, but it's like a possibility and something to consider. I just think it's another thing to think about is yeah. uh, security and bias and communication. Yeah. How do we communicate? Uh, we used to, we have moved from, again, if we go back 2.0, radio, TV, 
and then it's moved to social media, Google ads, things like that. So how is, how is communication and marketing changing? How do we connect? What are the messages that are sent? So what did 2020 change in how we communicate and connect? And again, instead of waiting to go back, how does it accelerate the movement of what was happening anyway? And so then we look at how do we communicate? I do think it's really interesting. And, and this year, at least in the US, I do feel like there's been some good alertness to privacy and also yeah. what are the algorithms behind Google, behind Facebook, behind these different things, which honestly, like we're so outraged at biases, but yet we allow these sites to create more biases. Right. Because again, we know neurologically there, first of all, there's already something in our brain that when you buy a red car, you know, we bought a pilot and all of a sudden we were like, everybody's driving gray pilots. What's that? Um, but that we know that's in our mind that when you recognize something, you are naturally conditioned to notice it more in your environment. Right. So that happens without any Facebook programming, right? Yeah, that naturally exactly. happens. But then that term, by the way, is called semiotics. Yeah, and where is it in your brain? It's like the basal ganglia or something like that. I don't, I don't necessarily know where it is, but the 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 term for that is is semiotics. If you see you you have something now, now you're going to see it everywhere. You right. have a sign; it becomes much more visible to you uh, in the world. Yeah, right. And it's literally in our brain the way yeah. that our brain works. There's a part of your brain that that's what it does. It's part of the function of that piece of your brain. So that is even without Facebook doing that to you. And now with Facebook or whoever doing that to you, and we know it happens, right? Everybody jokes yeah. about how you're having a conversation about, you know, with my husband about tires and all of a sudden I get a tire out on my phone. Exactly. I know I wasn't searching for tires. So how did I get a tire ad on my phone, right? And that was a conversation. But we see things like that, that I think further, I don't know, it just brings up this question of what is the balance of our privacy, our security? What biases do we have? You don't even realize that you have biases because like you said, if you're one cited and then that's what shows up and you're like wow look at here's 20 articles that reinforce that perspective right okay actually we would be doing people a favor if we filtered in other perspectives exactly. if this tends to be what i'm reading give me the article on the other side so that i have more of a biased perspective right but it's just there are things for us to be aware of so i think it's in communication i think it's in bias um yeah i i just think it's another thing to pay attention to not to be afraid of but to pay attention to. So if that's true, yeah. that means that people are looking at things differently. How do we help people to look at things differently? Or maybe they're not yeah. looking at things differently. So we need to be aware of that and bring that to the table and, and to talk about it. Yeah. Um, I think it, oh, go sorry, ahead. go ahead. No, go ahead. I was gonna say, to your point, uh, I saw a, a, a Google Pixel can, uh, phone commercial the other day that was touting the security chip in it privacy hmm. and so uh and apple has has is is been touting privacy for the past you know several years so to your point um i think that's going to be more and more important people are going to want everything encrypted they don't want anybody to to get their stuff you know i think that's uh, so you might see rise in security companies that might be an opportunity uh right. cryptology um those kinds of things and so there's potential there for for making 
uh, for making inroads in a, in a very um, uh, internet-based, uh, privacy-focused um, uh, world. So, right. And then to me, that kind of branches into two different, here's two different completely different thoughts, but yet related. In the topic of communication, we were talking about earlier a little bit around the workforce. And I think another thing to pay attention to in the workforce is this evolution of employees and team. So I believe that there is a shift that will continue to happen that actually moves away from giant companies that employ people. And you were talking about people needing to get second and third jobs. I believe what happens is it dovetails, again, the forces work together of companies and people. There already was a trend where people weren't as loyal to companies, where people want to be have more freedom and independence. So it breeds entrepreneurship. It breeds independence where they just want to be a freelancer or yeah. a contractor or the Uber driver. You know, yes, we could go work for the taxi company or we can be an Uber driver. Uber is a company that employs lots of independent entrepreneurs, so to speak, right? Yeah. So I believe there's a rise that that is going to shift too. As we see more people working from home, as we see more people seeking, I mean, go look on Upwork. There's a lot of people who are like, I just started working on Upwork. Why did they start working on Upwork? Because they're like, well, I can be an editor. I can do this. Let me give this a shot. More people, I think, are putting their, their toes in there in that pool to be independents, whether it's because they need extra income, whether they like working from home and now they like the freedom so they don't wanna go back to work. Yes, there's plenty of people who miss that social interaction, wanna get back to work. There's a lot of people who've gotten the freedom taste and working independently and working at home gives you a whole different level of freedom that you don't get when you have to fight traffic. I was talking with a client yesterday, he's loving his lack of hour and a half commute one way and that he just gets to work at home. And so it creates a different interest where A, there's a rise in freelance. So B, it changes as employers. How do we think, are we trying to make everyone an employee or how can I use freelancers? It changes the way that we hold people accountable. How we manage a freelance team is a little bit more progressive because we use tools like Slack or other virtual communication. So, you know, and then that's back to that whole connection and social media and things like that. What rooms and groups are we using? But I think there's a rise in freelance work that will continue to shift. And then that kind of plays to this other topic, the two things that are related but not related is upskilling. And what what are the skills that are needed? You were talking just a little bit ago about security. So there are jobs, we get all worried about these jobs that are being replaced. And I, I get it, it is hard. Change is hard. We get afraid, we, we, are, we get uncomfortable. Yeah. But there are skills and jobs that are booming UX, that, that user experience, right. um, this design thinking. What are we thinking about? So as an employer or as a company or as a business owner, am I trying to just preserve the way things were? Or am I looking at where is the cheese moving to and how are we prepared for that? How are we prepared for a different level of security? How can we be part of that market? How can we be more dynamic? How can we be more virtual? How can we be more nimble? Are we asking those questions? Because I believe 2021 
will be more of that. It will be yep. 2020 and that volume of change and virtualness and acceleration, only more. So are you waiting to go back to 2019 or are you preparing for 2022 and 23? So to me, that's what I think is possible, but I think we have to think about what do we need to change in ourselves and our observation and to your point, the way we communicate. Yeah, no, um, I think uh, I think businesses are going to have to make a, a, a tough a tough call. Am I now that these people have gotten a taste of freedom and are working at home, and they like it? Uh, you know, you you now as a as a manager or a leader or a boss or you know the CEO have a decision to make. Are you going to let them continue to do that, or are you going to try to bring them back into the fold? Knowing that, um, if they're really good, they could jump ship and do this gig economy. I mean, that's what the gig economy has been about for the past five or 10 years. They could jump ship pretty quick mm -hmm. uh, and start doing their own thing. And there's a lot of you know, corporate knowledge that goes away when you do that. Uh, you have cost of hiring. It's always more costly to hire somebody new than it is to keep the person that you have. Um, and so, uh, and then on the flip side of that, if you, if you use freelancers, then you don't have to pay social security taxes. You don't have to pay, pay workman, workman's comp. You don't have to, uh, the overhead of, of facilities and resources and all those things. It comes, you don't have the insurance you have to pay. You know, there's so many things in that regard. So there's some decisions to be made um with that and and coming out of a remote working environment uh am i going to continue to allow that and give my staff the freedom to do that or i'm going to try to bring them in house um knowing that they could leave uh fairly fairly you know fairly quickly um you know there's there's a lot of decisions in that realm that yeah. will have to be made yeah and it's not you know everybody's going to make a, a different decision there, there's there's no right or wrong. It just depends on, on your level of um, uh, tolerance for different things. Right. Uh, you know, so um, I think there will be less driving and I think traffic may reduce, uh, which could affect, um, you know, uh, those, those, those support industries, industries uh, that are going to, from everywhere from from towing companies to um, even police officers uh, that, that work those those drive time shifts. Uh, I got to imagine that that Audible um, was doing pretty well um, with with drive time. Now that there's no drive time, what does that look like? Uh, I think that's a huge one. I've had clients comment on that where they're behind on their learning. So what I yeah. see increasing is summaries. And yeah. this accelerated quick learning uh, blankest or whatever starts to shoot up where I need the 15 minute because that's all I have. I, I'm going to have to squeeze it in at another time because I don't have that commute. Exactly. So even, even from a podcast standpoint, if you could, if you could podcast summaries of books, people would probably jump right into that. Yeah. What are I don't know what the, the fair use fair use stuff would be um, um, with that, but um, I mean, that's possible. Yeah, absolutely.
So yeah, so many things and whatever, we'll, we'll see what comes, but I just think holding that perspective to see the possibilities rather than returning and waiting and, oh, I can't set my goals yet because we're not quite sure when things are going to return uh, back to the way they were and the new normal, whatever. It's like, no, just, you know, yeah, you know, trends and embrace them. <laughs> my doctoral mentor, um, he, uh, he used to DVR shows and he would tell me that he said, I don't really watch the shows. I watch the commercials. Um, because he said, if you watch the commercials, you'll see where marketing people think we're going or are trying to take you. Mm-hmm. And so I think, uh, I think it would, might be, that might be some good advice over the next couple of months is to see, <clears throat> watch the, com- I hate commercials. Um, I have Hulu. That's how we watch TV for our live TV and those kinds of things. And even if I record something, I can't skip past the commercials. But the advice is is well taken. That if you see where um, see where marketing people figure we are, see where they're trying to take you, or see where they think that this is going, and that that can give you some insights into what's going on. Um, you know, from a from the the theater standpoint, you know, people are are um, are hesitant to go into theaters now. Uh, we went to a drive-in theater Friday night and watched Elf, and it was a fun experience. We hadn't done that in 45, 40 years, mm-hmm. um, but it was a blast. Uh, and so you, I'm actually, there's one down the road that's just opened up. That might be another opportunity from an entrepreneurial standpoint, right. you know, uh, those, and, and it would be fairly inexpensive to get going. Right. Uh, so, uh, so, but, but you also see like Wonder Woman 84 uh, releases in the theater on Christmas Day, but it's also releasing on HBO Max. Uh, right. Disney Plus uh, with Mulan, um, uh, Hamilton, you know, those kinds of things are, are, are there's the streaming. So there's, there's um, that stay at home theater experience. So, so now you've got electronics that are going to be purchased to create that, try to recreate that, that environment. Those are things to even consider. So look and see where, uh, what's happening now, watch the commercials, watch where, where, where they're marketing and how they're marketing. And that provides some, a window into what may be coming down the road. Yeah, I like that. And I, I, that's why I love Seth Godin. I think Seth Godin is yep. very futuristic and has good thought, but really his, he's rooted in marketing, but his thoughts expand way beyond that. Right. But also too, I think that loops back to your other point about this whole, people are really struggling to figure out how to do this relationship thing. They don't want to go to the movie theater. So yes, definitely something changing with the way we do our fun, but it is, there's an opportunity there right. because we, it's different. The way that we used to have fun and get together that has changed. And so people are figuring it out. And sometimes we feel a little stuck because we want to return to that, but there's an opportunity in how do we have fun? How do we have relationships? What businesses and opportunities open up? So if we take these themes that are evolving and build on them, then we get into that possibility opportunity space. So yeah. All right. We got to wrap up, but really cool things. Go ahead. Sorry. That last thought go. 
No, I was just going to say, you see the rise, you know, uh, from the automotive perspective, you see the reduction in, in the number of cars being produced every year. Now it's for uh, trucks and SUVs, right? And so one of the things that, that is happening with that um, is people, uh, we, when we went to the, the drive-in theater, people had piled into trucks and were sitting, you know, there were six people in the bed of the truck watching a movie. Uh, and so, you, you know, you take advantage of those things um, that you have uh, to get together and spend time with people. Uh, and that kind of goes back to what, what you were talking about. You know, we've got to find a way to, to reconnect and, and to have redefined, not redefined fun, but, but to re-engage each other and have fun together. And that's, those are things that can be done. So, yeah, for sure. No. Yeah. It's really, it's super interesting to think about. Exactly. Well, yeah, it is uh, that time. And so, um, listen, this is the end of the year. Uh, we will not be, um, we won't have a podcast next week uh, or the week after because we're both going to be busy with family and holidays and those kinds of things. And uh, so this will be the last one of the year. Uh, but we'll be back uh, the first week in January, um, ready to go. Uh, Christy, anything else before we wrap up and, and kind of shut down the, the end of the first year? No, just uh, thanks everyone for listening and tuning in. Have a great new year. Take the opportunity for a little R&R. I think it's a great time for planning uh, at the end of the year and, and looking forward into next year. Wish you uh, and your family a good holiday break, good Christmas, New Year's, and look forward to connecting next year. Awesome. Yeah. And if you if you can come up with anything, if you see trends, things like that, we'd love to, to hear about that as well uh, and, and just to know what you're seeing uh, in the world, um, especially if you're not in the States. So... Um, Anyway, well, listen, uh, I, I extend my, the same thing Christy uh, shared. I hope you have a wonderful uh, uh, time off, spend time with family and friends, try to reconnect. I know, I know it may be hard, uh, especially with, with the rise in COVID cases again, um, and, uh, but try to get some rest, decompress, uh, and have some fun and uh, enjoy um, this time of the year. Uh, and uh, we'll look forward to being back with you the first of the year. Sounds good. Thanks All right. so much. Take care. All right. Bye. Hey, we would love to hear from you here at the Innovative Leader Podcast. Christy and I would love to get messages from you to have uh, an idea of what your thoughts are about this podcast. So we would love to, for you to send us a message at anchor.fm slash innovative leader. Just go there, click on that send a message button. You can record a message straight from your phone or the website. Let us know what you're thinking about what we're sharing. We'd love it specifically about one podcast and we'll share those messages as we receive them. Thanks so much. Hey, thanks for listening to The Innovative Leader today. You can find us at anchor.fm slash innovative leader. You can find us also at our website, innovativeleader.co. We're on YouTube. We're on Apple Podcasts. So anywhere uh, you get your podcasts, 
uh, you can find us. Also, we'd love for you to rate us at Apple. That way we can uh, we can know what you think of our podcast and it helps us get um, elevated in the listings as well. Also, if you'd like to join uh, and maybe help um, support our podcast, you can do that as well. Go to anchor.fm slash innovative leader and click on um, the support option. And again, don't forget, send us messages about what you think uh, of our podcast today, anchor.fm slash innovative leader.